Iowa everywhere. John Miller, Chris Williams, from the Channel Seed Studios, it's Miller and Williams, presented by Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. Three locations in Iowa, three times the fun. You'd rather be here. This is Iowa Everywhere. Hello, welcome to Miller and Williams, here on Iowa Everywhere. John Miller is back from gallivanting around the state of Pennsylvania. Like he was last week. Pennsylvania, right? That's where you were? Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio. Yep. Had to actually get back on the road and work a little bit. Show the young uh, sales team that the old dogs still have it in them. So mm. me and one of my, we, one of my, I've got, there's three of us that own the business. Um, and then two, two of us, me and my other partner, we went out last week. We hit like, I don't know, 16 people in four days, drove about 2000 miles, just, uh, we wanted to show the young pups that the old dogs can still rock. Old school, just a rental car and just putting on miles. That's it. That there's listen. There's no shortcuts in the sales world. There's just no shortcuts. So you got to get out and do it. But we did stay at a casino every single night. The Landing in Pittsburgh, which uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. Whoa, no, it, fant- it's literally right across the street from Heinz uh, Field. Um, so that that's a great place. I highly recommend that. The video poker machines there are loose. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Miller loves the loose slots. We are slots, uh, yeah, slots didn't do it, but that did. We are presented as always by our friends at the Wild Rose Casinos in Clinton, Emmitsburg, and Jefferson. I was actually just hitting Miller up about potentially if Iowa State's not playing, make a Sweet Sixteen weekend and. And Jefferson, you've 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 never been to that sports book, have you? I have not. Uh-uh. It's beautiful. Like for like compared to some of the other ones in the state, like it's it's awesome. I mean, you feel like you're sitting there in Las Vegas. They do it right. They have really good food there too. So, what the pulling potentially... up the old map? Pump the old map on Jefferson. I'm sure I've driven through Jefferson before. Okay, yeah, I have on the way. Yep. Okay, I see it. Yep, that's doable. I think my Iowa State Cyclones have a chance to be in the Sweet 16, though. So I'm I'm hoping to be traveling a lot in March. That's uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I hope that you are. I hope that you are too. Um, and I said after the Iowa Iowa State game that I thought Iowa State could build up to being a team that has the ingredients of what Final Four teams have. Um, Iowa State's defense is clearly in that realm. Iowa State's offense is better. It's getting better. Um, it's just if they can get to where they can have a baseline of consistency offensively by the time they get to March, that is not a team that you will want to face in the NCAA tournament. No. And then the more I watch the Big 12 this year, this seems crazy because Iowa State beat them. But I, I just think Houston is – far and away the best team in that league. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with Houston. Like I, for all of you listeners, I I've, I've been sprinkling Houston tickets for the national championship for a while now. Mm. Played mm. them at a thousand the other night. So 10 to one. Um, Yeah. I just, I think they're really freaking good, man. I've never seen a team play defense the way that they do. And Iowa state's really good. These Houston guys, 
they just defend like crazy. Like they're so big. And the only thing that would scare me about them with the national championship is if you get the wrong officials on the wrong night who call it really tight, that could be a hindrance for a, a right. team like Houston. But I just, yeah, I've seen Kansas in person. I've obviously seen Iowa State. I've seen Houston now. And like Iowa State won that game, which makes it even more impressive. But I just think that that team is unreal it does it is impressive but part of me wonders like will all of iowa state's big home wins this year be tainted because of you know the filming allegations and things <laughs> of that nature no i'm kidding i'm kidding dude I'm kidding. what is we were talking about we were talking about going to manhattan together and yes. sitting in the crowd like that seems like a little more of a I mean, it's not it's a, a risk. Little, I think you and me would walk out of there just fine, but I don't know right. how pleasant that would be. Right. I'd have to reconsider my thought um, when I told you that I would wear Iowa State gear. Um, I, I don't know about that, but I, I would go. <laughs> but, yeah, man, that's that's heated. And, boy, Kansas State just keeps bringing that type of attention themselves with anybody. But I think I saw you tweet something a few weeks back. I mean, we haven't talked for a while, but the whole horns down stupidity a few weeks ago. Man, what they are going to just break like icicles when they get into the SEC, and every single fan base is going to horns down them. I mean, it's it's like we've added horns down as some type of societally unacceptable uh, word. It's it it's it's this. It's not this. It should be this, but it's just horns down, man. Just the BYU coach the other day absolutely made me sick to my stomach. I, I heard you and Chris talk about that. I hadn't heard that, and it just made me <laughs> roll over. I'm like, gosh, I wish I was could be a coach for a day or that podium. I would just – yeah, it wouldn't go that way. It would go a different way. But. Well, and it's just – I've used this example before, but it, anybody who has a sibling, like, and I was the younger sibling, and I knew how, I know how my older sister, she was four years older than me, like, the more I whined about something, the more she would do it. Right. right. And if you had, like, a younger sibling, it's like, if you knew that that really drove him crazy, then you're... And, and now, like, Texas has bitched about this for so long that every right. student section, like, that's just... We just do it now to, to jab at them. And, oh, yeah. by the way, you tried to blow up the league multiple times. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> clearly it's a, it's a very common strategy for talk radio show hosts. I mean, I, I happen to know one that used to, like, see what pissed people off and then leaned into <laughs> the So <laughs> it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. I will say this, and we're going to get into the Iowa football conversation. There's two things now, like, for me, just for me individually as a sports fan, that I just don't think compare – the NFL, like to me, the brand, the power, it's gotten so much better. Like in my, I never thought I would like the NFL more than college football. And I still don't know if I do. I don't think I would say that. I still think I like the season more, but like the big NFL games and storylines, like are unrivaled right now. And the TV ratings show it. Well, yeah. Big I mean, 12. And, and then it, it's ahead, no bud. surprise that it's no surprise this transition is ongoing for you the year that taylor swift becomes a fixture in the nfl <laughs> not a surprise whatsoever i did buy a 49ers jersey i bought a hear me out saw a vikings fan and 
when I watched Brock play the Vikings, I thought I would be conflicted. I was not. I was rooting for him to get sacked. Like I was rooting for the Vikings. I did buy just the other night the Super Bowl patch per- Purdy jersey because I'm yeah. gonna frame it and put it for in the sure. basement. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the I'm it's it's exciting. And it you know, I'm I'm glad it you know, I wanted it to be the Lions just because it was a lot. I wanted Kansas City versus the Lions because the Lions fans suffering for so long, but I, I yeah, obviously Kittle's on the 49ers. Purdy's an unbelievable story. I, I don't understand why the Purdy thing is such a lightning rod. It's one of the dumbest things. What's one of the dumbest non-story sports stories of all time, in my opinion. This guy deserves nothing but praise and not derision. I mean, this is a story that will be a movie someday or could be, and yet he's just taken it. It that's stupid. That's one of the dumb NFL things this year, and also the the. All these men across the country losing their effing minds over Taylor Swift being on televisions for 30 seconds a freaking mm. week. That's not even <laughs> her choice. And now you have uh, oh, the a MAGA people of, are going after her. It, it's unbelievable. Let me tell you this. Not that I'm going to give any advice that MAGA people are going to take, but <laughs> I would not choose Taylor Swift as my straw man. I would not it do it. Feels kind of stupid. It's really dumb. It, it's playing in traffic because Taylor Swift is arguably the most popular person on planet Earth. One of the most recognizable people in America, probably or in the world, but the world doesn't vote. And if Taylor Swift decides to just go hardcore on a voter registration, not even say like vote for this person. Cause I don't think she'd do that, but I do think she'd say, you know what? Register to vote. These are the things that I support. I'm for women's rights. I'm for this. I'm for that dude. They're done, done. Not only that, you're also talking about a new generation of young people that are getting registered and getting plugged into the political process uh, maybe at a more advanced age than they otherwise would have, that doesn't spell good things for you in 2028 either, or 2032 or 2036, especially as you have the evangelical population continuing to diminish in the United States of America. Right now, the largest religious group in the country are called nuns, N-O-N-E-S, as in they have no uh, affiliation with any um, denomination or any religion or any belief telling you the the demographics are not in your favor this is a really bad idea and by the way so i'm a methodist yeah, long time methodist and the new york mm-hmm. times just recently did a piece uh have you followed the methodist church and everything going on there oh yeah the schism in the methodist church yes it's wild like it's like my hometown church just bolted because of the lgbt thing and yeah. like they don't it it's if i feel like it's just getting started too it's like all these powerhouses of the last hundred years are now you know facing all these crossroads with as far as the evangelicals go yeah the swift thing is just weird i don't understand why it's a big deal and i she's a successful powerful woman that's why and is that it oh, that, that that that's I mean, it jack nicholson Spike Lee, Spike Matthew Lee. McConaughey. Think of all these guys. When you watch a Texas game on ESPN and it's a home game and McConaughey's in town, they're going to show him all the time. Hell, they even have 
well, other uh, channels devoted for these guys actually just to talk all the time. But when it's Taylor Swift and she's not down on the field other than the other night she came down afterwards, it's her in a booth. She's not asking the news director to put her on camera. She doesn't need any more attention. She made almost $2 billion last year. She's going to be the wealthiest woman in American history that, that earned it herself before all is said and done. She doesn't need 10-second shots on CBS because she doesn't need the freaking the, – doesn't need the grief. It's solely misogynistic. That's it, because we didn't hear that about Jack Nicholson. We didn't hear that about Spike Lee or any of these other celebrities that sports news directors have been showing on cutaways forever. They don't complain when they're showing someone stuff in their face with crab cakes. They don't complain when they got a you know a fan with an arrow hat on or your, your Viking horns. They don't complain about those cutaways. But when it's Taylor Swift, it's clearly misogyny and or it's political. That's it. That's but what's it. weird to me... Is and, and it, I'm not, and all my people have listened to me for a long time. They know I am not in touch with pop culture. That's kind of part of my brand. I don't have a effing clue. Taylor Swift is not political, is she? Like she's not out there like vote so, Democrat. Like she, yeah. is she, she doesn't even stand for that, does she? She doesn't talk about it much. But if you watch a show, Miss Americana, which is frankly phenomenal, and I have to admit. My two daughters are giant Swifties. My wife has now become a giant Swiftie. Our family text group between my wife, two daughters, and I is 95% Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey stuff. I have, therefore, by association, <laughs> become a Swiftie myself. We're going to go see Taylor Swift in Indianapolis. I'm holding out hope that I can buy that below 10 Gs, but I don't know what's going to happen. But we're going in November because I told them I would. Um, she's a great human being. And... In Miss Americana, which they filmed a few years ago, it's on Netflix. It was back in 2020, before the 2020 uh, elections. She made a stand in her home state of Tennessee because there was a couple of politicians on one side of the aisle that were looking, in her opinion, to uh, you know disenfranchise women's rights uh, and things of that nature. And her dad was begging her not to enter into the political foray. Um, he was legitimately scared for her. And honestly, if I was her dad, I would be too. But I would still I wouldn't I would have her live her life. And she she took a stand. And then uh, a year ago or so, she did a register to vote thing. Well, the, the folks on the right side of the aisle feel this is a threat because the things that she took a stand for are things that they're fighting on the other side against. So, no, she's not out there. She's not a political firebrand yet. But I think that the MAGA folks could be poking the bear that they probably don't want to poke. Man, I need it. We just. Miller, we got to make more time for each other. You enlighten me. I didn't know that she was. A, yeah, I, whatever. So the point I was trying to make is that the Big 12 basketball season is like must watch for me. And <laughs> somehow we got into. <laughs> That's where I was like going. The, this feels like the old Miller and Dace of the morning show. Cause it's just a different side of the political spectrum, but just driving the car into the ditch. And then how do we get it back on? That was my favorite thing about the show when Steve and I did it. It was just like every day I did not I'd write five words down what we we're going to talk about. And then uh, we just never did. We just drove her in the ditch. Those are always the best shows, Ross. And I would they always be the, the guy with a six page rundown because that's just the type of human I am. I do not do that with you. We don't need Miller and I don't even prep now. I used to. I just learned with Miller. It's best to just turn on the mic and go. Yep. Let's go. Um, 
But the best shows were always the one where Ross and I maybe hit one topic and then we didn't touch anything else for three hours. That's the best. Organic radio. It is the best. Sometimes it sucks. And when you're solo, I don't like organic radio. I'd have the whole sheet myself. Although I think I'd, I'd be a lot different now than I was in 06 when I first started. But you're right. Um, you're right. So good luck to the clones. Hope that you keep winning and get your Well, it's just more the, the league as a whole. Like when you watch Kansas, like these these rogue. Like my my father in law was over last night because my my daughter had a concert and we're having ice cream after it, and we were watching the end of the TCU Texas Tech game. Texas Tech's at the top of the conference, ranked ten spots higher than TCU. TCU beats them. My father in law's like, "Oh, that's an upset," and I was like, "No, they were actually a four and a half point favorite." Like these these home games are just, it, it's almost impossible to win on the road in that league. Yeah, and it it's just fun. Like in these, I think that not having the round robin is going to wear on us at some time. Uh, us being Big Twelve basketball fans, because it's not the thing I always liked about it is these teams got to know each other so well, and they genuinely hated each other. But now with the portal, it's like these rosters turn over every year now, so that there's not that familiarity, and you're not playing each other twice across the board. So I think that. I, I bet it gets watered down a little bit in the future. I hope not. I thought it would yeah. this year, but then you have BYU in the top ten. Houston is, the, I think, the best team in the country. Um, you have Arizona coming in next year. It's like God. I think Otzelberger actually has a much tougher job than Campbell, which is kind of crazy to think. You know, in the last yeah. fifty years of Iowa State athletics, that 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 could ever be the case. But you're you're basically part of the SEC in basketball, where in football, you're, I don't know, the American now going forward, right? Like, because you're not one of those big two. You're you're kind of on, you're with the ACC and kind of on the outside looking right. in. But yeah, anyways, no, it's, it's a good, that's a good point. I, I was going to say, um, bring something up about West Virginia since it's Big 12 basketball, Jermaine. So I'm not stirring mm. it into the ditch. I drove yeah. through Morgantown last week. Amazing city. I love Morgantown. I, I, I've never been to West Virginia before in my life until last week, other than driving through like the little sliver like from Pennsylvania yeah. to Ohio. Yeah. So we drove through Morgantown, drove by the basketball stadium, drove by the football stadium, drove through the downtown area. And I left Morgantown with this impression. Those coaches uh, for West Virginia have to be some of the best recruiters on planet Earth because that place looked like a shithole to me. It. I've told this story before, so I've been – it's funny. I've never been to Pittsburgh, but I've been to Morgantown like, like Pittsburgh. I've been to Morgantown like four times, and I think three of them were with women's basketball calling those games, and one of them was with I was filling in for Walters, and I called a men's game there. When you fly into Morgantown on a private charter, it's like you're landing in Russia. Because <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> There's oh, I hills. believe you. Oh, I believe you. It, it, you fly in there and you look out the window and it's just these rusty old buildings. And like it, you want to like the stereotypical, what is the rust belt? And then you look out the window and you see that. And it's, it's beautiful. Like the scene, other than the buildings, there's these mountains, there's trees everywhere. Topography is wonderful. If you'd like to party, you can, I've, my younger days gone out on a Tuesday night in West Virginia, and there's always something to do. 
Like it is, uh, I like it and their fans speak to me. They, I, I don't know. I think that they're very similar to Iowa state fans. And the fact that they don't really care about pro sports, like they're just, Hey, this is who we are. Deal with us. They're, they're kind of rabid. They're, they're, they're pretty nuts. So I, I, I understand what you're saying about the recruiting aspect, though. It's not exactly the most highfalutin place that you can visit in the country. It, it, it's not. And it, in fairness, I went there in you know the middle of January. The weather sucked. It was foggy. It was suck. It, and I didn't get to see the splendor of say that area in like you know May or June when everything's in bloom. I'm sure it looks beautiful. But man, there is just not a lot to write home about for, from what I saw, other than writing home and saying, "Dear mom and dad, please send money so I can get the hell out of here." <laughs> it just looked desolate. And I mean, good luck driving your car in that campus if there's ever any ice. Oh, it I've just, been there during that. And yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. Getting on the team it bus is. and getting stuck on the way up a hill. It's that's a it's a real thing. It's a real risk you're running when you go to Morgantown. All right, Tim Lester. Oh, the, Iowa hired an offensive the, coordinator. The new most hated man. I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. My dad and I were talking about this last night. About my, my dad's not an Iowa fan. He he hates Iowa. He asked now. me, yes, now, mainly because of people like you. He asks me, <laughs> direct quote: Did Kirk Ferentz just hire? Because Dad's just read the articles. Did Kirk Ferentz just hire this guy just to flip everybody the bird? Was his re- and I said, no, Dad, I don't think so. In my heart of hearts, I, I I don't think that Kirk Ferentz is trying to sabotage the Iowa football program. Obviously, what do you think right. of this? This this seems just very vanilla. But I guess this is Kirk Ferentz. What else would you expect? So there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. This guy was a uh, an assistant, some type of an assistant analyst, whatever, with the Green Bay Packers and has been, has been for the last several years. Mm-hmm. And the Green Bay Packers didn't get done playing their season until just a little over a week ago. You know, they so you could say that maybe Kirk had this guy on his short list all along. And there have been many reports saying that Paul Christ was offered the job and turned it down. I don't know if that's the case or not. But um, you could say that Kirk had his eyes on this Lester guy for a while. Or you could also say that this is all that Iowa had left to do, and Iowa is paying the Kirk Ferentz tax for filling positions on the offensive side of the football since everyone knows that he didn't even let his own son explore the space make some changes, do the things necessarily that he would have liked to have done, and his own son was vetoed. So why in the hell would you go be Iowa's offensive coordinator? Because that is not a career-enhancing move. There's multiple camps. Now, I don't know what's true. At this point in time, it doesn't really matter. This is who Iowa's offensive coordinator is. And I've looked at some things in his past. It was RPO tight end videos and, and um, you know, two back scheme systems that have some nuance to the modern day. And I think that those would be some really good tweaks for the Iowa offense and things that I've been wanting to do. Like you don't have to scrap 
the who and what you are. Just do it differently. Change up your damn route trees and in, in your receiving patterns so you don't have three receivers that are within 10 yards of each other on your bootleg waggles. You think you're flooding the zone, but all you're doing is making your guys incredibly easy to cover. You're compressing the area that you want to operate in by yourself. You're compressing it by flooding the area with with your only three passing targets and routes are within 10 yards of each other as their five freaking defenders. And that's just one thing. So they need to make some tweaks. They don't have to throw it all out. But I will say this in fairness, trying to be give Kirk the benefit of the doubt, which, you know, for me and I think Iowa fans, he at least deserves. Um, let me let me give you this guy's resume and see if you would have been excited about this guy. All right. OK. Division, Division two assistant. Co- I'm going through his resume. Division two assistant coach. Um uh, the name of at a name of a very small college that you've never heard of, but it tastes really good on steak. Uh, Division three offensive coordinator for three seasons. Division three head coach for seven seasons. Did win a natty, um, and a head coach at a Patriot League school for one year. And Iowa hires him to be your offensive coordinator. Do you think Iowa fans are going to be happy with that? No, no, they're they're not going to be happy with that. That happens to be the resume of the best offensive coordinator under Iowa under the Kirk Ferentz era and Ken O'Keefe. And um, well, I'm not. I mean, have Iowa fans ever liked an offensive coordinator under Ferentz? No. Like, has no. there ever been one who's popular? No. Me, I liked O'Keefe. I remember I defended yeah. him more than anybody on Sound Off, and I and I told people back in 2000. What was the what was the Shaggy game? Was that 07? Yeah. 2007 Iowa Iowa State Iowa State only kicks field goals and they win. People 15 to came 13. On sound. Huh? 15 to 13. Right. Fans came on sound off See that lost that their red wire jerseys from that game. Oh yeah, that was yeah. How many like their their best play on offense that season was just throw it up and let Todd Blythe catch it, but hey, you know what it worked. Um anyhow, the calls in the sound off is yeah, you're looking at that thing really really longingly um the calls in the sound off that day fire o'keefe fire o'keefe fire it was horrible and that's not uncommon to fire o'keefe calls but it was crazy and i i finally lost my mind i said listen folks you are aiming your anger at the wrong person ken o'keefe ran three wide minimum and aspects of a spread offense when he was winning national championships at you know the lower division levels I saw a video of it. I know that the first spring in 1999 or whenever it was when they first got there, the offense that Ken was looking to install was nothing like what Iowa came out and played. Kirk vetoed it. Kirk's like, nope, we're not doing that. Here's what we're doing. So I said, you're you're mad at the wrong person. Kirk Ferentz pulls the strings on offense. Not I said it's an 07. We all, we all now know that that's the reality of it. It's Kirk Ferentz. So I don't know that it really matters who Kirk hired. Part of me thinks if Chris was offered the job, he turned it down because it may also, he may not be done head coaching yet. And he may feel that going to be Iowa's offensive coordinator under the restrictions that Kirk Ferentz likely is going to place is not a career advancing move. Matter of fact, it's where Greg Davis went to retire and Brian Ferentz's career entirely got off on, got off track. I mean, we're almost to February. I don't, Brian Ferentz hasn't popped up on anybody's radar yet, has he? So, and that's why I feel that Kirk kept him on and kept doing it and would have kept him on another year because he knew that his son was probably unhirable, at least in the interim. Now, he'll probably find something as an analyst somewhere. Maybe he'll even get an assistant uh, position in an NFL team. I don't know. 
but it's not a good it's not a good job as long as Kirk Ferentz is the head coach at Iowa uh, until and unless Kirk Ferentz decides he's going to make some changes and he didn't do it for his son to save his son's job. How the hell could anybody think he's going to do it for anybody else? I want to make a clarification too that I caught all sorts of hell from Iowa fans for. It's funny how things can get taken out of context on Twitter, right? It happens, right? <laughs> So Hassel and I had a long conversation about Caden Proctor a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And oh, I saw that, and I was glad I was not involved. Yeah. Well, let me clarify the point to you and, and have a real conversation about it. I've been on record for years now when people are yelling about Iowa's offensive line saying, my opinion, it's not the, the players aren't as bad as the fans think they are. The premise of my opinion is, I don't know. I don't know the intricacies. I'm not there at practice. I don't know. But I do know this. When the defense knows what's coming 80% of the time, which is very well documented, Scott Docterman has reported on this. I've talked to numerous players, um, former players, uh, NFL guys who can watch Iowa and they can tell you the tells. And it's just it's re- the reality. My point was for Proctor going to Iowa compared to, let's say, Oregon, who was also in the mix, it just makes your job a lot harder. It does. And and I don't know how anyone can deny it. Do I think Caden Proctor is going to be a first-round pick? Absolutely. Do I think going to Iowa is going to keep him out of the NFL? Absolutely not. That would be an asinine opinion. But I guess the point I'm trying to make with this new offensive coordinator hire is I, I think I've clarified the Proctor thing, and I think most rational fans should be able to agree with me on that. That if, again, if, if they know it's run, it makes your job as a lineman. It doesn't matter how good you are, more difficult if the defense knows what's coming, if there's no mystery there. They've got to find a way yeah. to be less predictable, not just on first, second down, third down, whatever, but just in general with their with their formations. And there's other just tells that they've had for years as far as motion Absolutely. goes. And they've got to find a way to make this thing less predictable. And hopefully right. this new guy can do it. Right. And I, I think your take, you know, on that angle is, is not a bad take. I think that um, one thing I at least was in, somewhat encouraged by last year, even though it's not like we planted a flag or anything, was that Iowa's reliance on outside zone and the zone blocking scheme was greatly diminished last year compared to any other year of the Ferentz era. They did a lot more um, hat on hat, a lot more gap, a lot more power O, a lot more non-outside zone zone scheme. Because that has been teams have drilled so much on that. And I've I've given this example many times. When Iowa's offensive line is say they're gonna go left, when they snap the ball, all the offensive linemen are moving laterally down the line in concert with one another left. That is a zone blocking scheme. Defenses have been coached up on this for the last you know, 10 years minimum, if not longer. When you see the Iowa offensive line going laterally, go laterally with yeah. them. And then the back, the, the linebackers, especially that backside linebackers, knife in, cut off the cutback lane to the outside. And any, any penetration that you get from a defensive lineman bubbling up that lateral flow screws every single thing up. The, the day and time to rely on a pure zone blocking scheme was 20 years ago. And that's why Iowa had so much success early on in the Ferentz era, because Ferentz was bringing something that Mike Shanahan, probably more than anybody else with Terrell Davis and that, was using effectively in the NFL. Ferentz did it at the college level. Ferentz was converting tight ends 
athletes into offensive linemen as opposed to the Wisconsin way, which is let's go find a big Bluto and let's just bulldoze everybody with yeah. power O and hat on hat. Iowa went for the nuance. Iowa went for the athleticism, for the ballet, for guys like Robert Gallery, who came in 220 pounds as a tight end, left as one of the best ass-kicking linemen in school history, Chris Doyle, building them up. That is what Iowa did successfully until people figured out how to, um, I wouldn't say necessarily outright stop it, but gunk it up. And it's been gunked up for 15 years. Getting away from the reliance on the on the zone blocking scheme, outside zone blocking scheme, because inside zone still has a lot of value, in my opinion. Um, that was the best thing for Iowa's offense last year. Was that, in my opinion? Mm-hmm. Now, can we continue it? Can we continue? Can we change up the routes a little bit? Can we mix in things? And as long as you're not predictable, Caden Proctor is going to be just fine in Iowa. Um, Absolutely. But you're right. The, the job, the job is harder. It's harder when you have a 75 to 80 percent tendency in down and distance. And you're right, Dockerman's been great at documenting that. I and you know what I I do Brian Ferentz. I, I felt I don't know that we could fairly uh, evaluate him as a coordinator given the constraints that he had, but I do think that he fell into ruts with play call predictability that maybe a more seasoned uh, play caller might not get into. I think I don't know that Iowa. Iowa's self-scouting didn't seem like it was all that good uh, if they did it at all, or they just didn't care. This is who we are. We're going to play complimentary football. Punt is is not a four-letter word. Uh, we got a great defense. We won 10 games. Piss off, y'all. And that's all true, but I'm bored out of my mind. And I'm just speaking for me. And I know some of you will say, well, you're just a fair weather guy. No, I just, just entertain me. Just entertain me. That's all I want to be is entertained. And I'm really entertained when Iowa's defense is on the field. I was really entertained when Torrey Taylor punted the ball, which is almost a punchline to a joke, which is what the Iowa offense is nationally, a punchline to a joke. You know, Caden Proctor commits to Iowa. There were so many national talking. It's like, why would you go to this pre- this place? Uh, the Iowa offensive uh, coordinator search went on for almost 90 days. It was a daily joke. Iowa hasn't hired its offensive coordinator yet. Who would go there? That's a, I mean, it's a joke. So they have to change that. Program has been damaged by Kirk Ferentz's stubbornness. And then people will say, well, I mean damaged, John. They just won 10 games. And that's great. But if you go and you become less predictable, you actually get a quarterback that can move the chains with his feet from time to time, you become a team where nine wins in this new Big Ten might be your floor if you can play that kind of defense. Your running backs are the same conversation as the offensive line, too. I was talking with an Iowa fan the other day. He's like, oh, we haven't had that great running back. I'm like, your running backs have been fine. It's it's, it's hard to run. Correct. It's hard hard to run when the defense knows you're doing it all the time. It's hard to run when you don't have a quarterback that can complete it. Right. (laughs) So I, I... Listen, I'm in massive defense of these Iowa offensive players. I don't think that they're all... Like these these terrible line, I, it it's insane to me. You've got to become less predictable, and if this guy can help do it, I don't care what his resume said. Yeah. But again, I'm going off of a track record here. I've never seen an offensive coordinator under the Kirk Ferentz era that Iowa fans like. But you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's an uncommon thing around football. The offense coordinator is probably the You're least right. popular. But I think it's worse there that. because of the style, right? Because it's always this badass defense, elite special teams. It's worse because of the results. And the style is what is creating the results. And the style is dead. 
They need to overhaul it. And I'm not saying come out and look like Oregon. That's not going to happen. No. I wouldn't want that. That's not going to be. We don't need Iowa to do that. Like, that's not. No, Iowa shouldn't do that. No. You shouldn't do that we when you play a lot of on this show in November. They need to be a variable in the Big Ten. They, they, they shouldn't be doing what everybody else is doing. That's not no. what we think. But it. Right. You got to give your players a chance. Like if I was Nebraska fans, I, if I was a Nebraska fan, I would be begging them to go back to the old Veer. I'd be begging for it because nobody does that. You don't practice against it. You are a departure from practice preparation, and that gives you an advantage. It's why Dr. Tom Davis's basketball teams were as successful as they were relatively. And when I say that, I mean their talent level was not as good as what their records wound up being. The The sum was greater than the whole of the parts or whatever. I butcher that stupid thing. But – but yeah, whatever. Without without that system that he had, the full court press and that, I think that that system was plus two wins per year for average teams, much less when they had B.J. Roy and Eddie and they could run people off the floor. That's what I think that Nebraska going back to the Veer would be for them, would be a complete departure from preparation, and I would be begging for that. I know you got to get, get going. You got to go sell some energy. Got to go sell some I do. I, I, I do. Things are popping. It's Wednesday. I got a blast. All right, let's go. About. We got Miller, we're rolling. Miller, just give me a Miller. couple more years of this, baby. Then it's you and me just doing the casino tour in retirement. I want to retire by the I'm I, I turned 40 in June. And yeah. my goal is to at 55 just own a couple of these media companies and write books and uh yes, just yes. sit there with you and um yes. go out to Joshua Tree. You know, and look at the Joshua trees, sit on the beach. Man, I it's so funny. I was talking to an old timer in the media biz before the Kansas game the other day. And he couldn't believe that I had been there for almost 20 years because he was there when I was a kid starting. I'm like, well, dude, I started this when I was 19. Right. Like, I'm I'm 39 and I feel like I'm 60. In yeah. this business. Yeah. Yeah. One day you wait. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it will do that to you. Um, I, I will say my mental health is a lot better no longer um, being in that. <laughs> Miller's business. trying to get me to quit, everybody. <laughs> he if you could have heard the conversation beforehand. Yeah. But, but yeah, man. Yeah. That's a good goal to have. You got to have goals like that. 55 is a great goal. You'll do it. Um, you know, I turned 53 in a month or so and, and 55, you know, I could retire at 55. I don't want to. There's more mountains for me to climb. At some point in time, when you're an entrepreneur and you're an entrepreneur, it's not it's, yes. it's, it's, it's not always about the money. It's about the mountain. It's about oh, yeah. how many mountains. How, how I want to climb that. I set out to climb that peak, and I'm, I'm three quarters of the way up. And you know what? I could live here for the rest of my life, but I am going to climb that mountain. I'm going yeah, to and like Half of it, too, is not really about how much money you make. It's about how much money you spend. And I've, I've been in the same house. For you know, we're not moving, and like there's there's certain things like you're that. Not, right? You're not like me is what you're trying to say. You're not moving. I don't need fancy things like hassle and his six thousand dollar watch or whatever fails was trying to get him to do. I heard about that. I heard about that. Jeez. Yeah. Um, what I've disaster. actually thought about watches, but I I'm like you know what I got a I an Apple Watch, and it does everything. The, the old the the Rolexes and that those are dumb watches. Yeah. Why would I want a dumb watch? I want a well, smart. You get a smart one. Yeah. Right. I don't want a dumb watch. So I'm with you on that. I drive a Toyota. You know, I mean, it's it's nothing fancy. I'm with, I'm with you on that. 
I, I don't have a lot of those things. There's other areas we, we like to travel a lot. And I, my, I did have my vice is die cast race cars. That's what I spend like my money. I, I see them over your shoulder. Um, yeah. My wife and I, my wife and I would like to um, live in, in the Denver area, you know, like, I don't know, like April through Christmas, you know, and then the other months just go rent a place like in Laguna beach and things like that. So I've been kind of starting to keep an eye on Colorado real estate. And I had my eye on this house. It was an old avalanche Colorado avalanche goalie. And it was up in evergreen. And man, the house had been available for like six months. And I'm like, man, he's going to lower this price and maybe give me a couple more years. And I, I might look at it. Somebody bought it. Just crushed my heart. And it son was of a great gun. setup. Yeah. Son of a gun. Oh, well. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Go we sell will, some uh, propane. He's John Miller. I'm Chris Williams in the Channel Seed Studios. Appreciate our sponsor, Wild Rose Casinos. We'll be back next week. Iowa everywhere.